Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Grimaldi Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standard, of the Washington Commanders. For The Athletic, happy snowy Friday here in the DMV. I, I woke up to even a little bit more on the ground. I was wondering why I was hearing aggressive shoveling outside my uh, house today. And uh, sure enough, a little bit more hit the ground. Hope everyone is doing all right. Um it's getting interesting here in the DMV. We are only a couple of days away from teams being allowed to interview head coaches, head coach candidates face to face. The commanders have gone through their uh, virtual interviews this week. Um, we'll, we'll get to. I'll mention a little bit about that in a moment, and um, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about some other notes around town with regards to the guest today. Brought back my guy, Mike Smeltz, one of the main uh, audio producers here at The Athletic, who is also a noted uh, fan of this football team. And Mike's been on this podcast many times before. He has always got some interesting thoughts. So we we took those interesting thoughts and turned them into a segment. We, we haven't officially named anything yet, but um, Mike has, you know, I, as you guys have heard me say, Josh Harris is an outside-the-box thinker, so therefore it doesn't make sense to continually think of this team in conventional ways. Mike has interesting thoughts. We're calling them kind of bad ideas, but we're having, <laughs> but, but interesting, provocative thought things that could go. All right, well, let me ponder this at least uh, regarding this team in terms of say uh, topics include Adam Peters, Caleb Williams, uh, and uh, the draft overall and more. So we'll get to all that in a few moments here on the podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Uh, if you got a second right now, just go hit that subscribe button. Needless to say, it's going to be a very, very busy offseason. We're going to keep you informed, updated, and hopefully entertained here on the podcast. If you missed earlier this week, my guy Al Galdi joined me uh, for our usual weekly chat, either on my podcast or his podcast, and then uh, former Washington head coach Jay Gruden as well to talk about the transition that a, co a coordinator has to make to become a head coach, Ben, you know, at, Basically, almost everybody that Washington is interviewing would be a first-time head coach, except for uh, Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris. So what's that transition like if Ben Johnson is the guy? So Jay Gruden gave his thoughts on there. And yes, we did talk a little bit about his Twitter beef with RG3 and, and Brian Mitchell. The RG3 thing is went out of hand last night. I don't, I, I'm, I'm over-talking about it, but it's, it's bizarre. It is weird, by the way. I'll just say, like... It was one thing when we were all kind of obsessed at times over some of these like Gruden era or Shanahan era feuds. That stuff's getting too far away, right? I mean, RG3, his rookie year was over, was 12, well, essentially 12 years ago, or close to it, right? Jay Gruden is two coaches removed now. I'm, I'm going to do my best to stop talking about all that stuff. Um, but sometimes they're making it entertaining as they're doing right now. All right. And of course, to subscribe to The Athletic, uh, Dane Brugler, our NFL draft, mock draft, NFL draft insider 
he put up a mock draft the other day, two rounds. I was asked to react to it from Washington's pick, which of course is three. So you can check that out on the athletic. Um, okay. Um, let's get to the, the coordinators here. Now I will say, as I said before, on the GM search, Washington has been pretty close to the vest on information getting out. You're really not seeing anything. You're really not hearing anything. It is pretty quiet. And I, and I say that to say that, you know, I don't sometimes in these circumstances, any little note feels magnified as a reporter by 10 because it's something. And, you know, certainly there are some things that I've heard. Um, ben Johnson as is the name that comes up the most with regards to this team. Um, I had somebody uh, I, I would call the person a prominent voice in um, in sort of the. The, the the world that we're talking about with all these various searches around the league, not a commander's voice, but somebody else. And he said to me that he expects Ben Johnson to be the answer here. So my point isn't to say that that is a, is a, is a big note. It's to say it's what I have. It's notable, but in without a ton else, especially from the team, everything can stand out a bit more. So do I take somebody saying that Ben Johnson, he expects him to be here as gospel uh, I mean, it's notable, but I've also talked to people who think that Ben Johnson's going to Carolina, which I'm a little bit skeptical of, but I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll, you know, this is the whole point. Does David Tepper offer the bag to one of these candidates to get them to come? And does that, you know, does that matter to that individual? Or is it, hey, I want to be in a sort of this blank slate situation that Washington's in with uh, a new GM and Adam Peters, who's very well respected. So, um, I guess my point is to say that these things are happening. The commanders are doing a good job of of keeping it, you know, inside right now. Um, but from what I can tell, Ben Johnson would be the uh, the main candidate at this time. But he's this Washington presumably will not be the only one who views him in that way. I, I think the real intrigue for me, if you should get to nothing, who who is it? If it's not Ben Johnson. I think this is really is where it's very wide open. I, I keep hearing good things broadly about Raheem Morris, um, his ability to connect with players, to lead a team. Obviously, you know, he was a young guy. Things didn't work out in his previous uh, stint with uh, Tampa Bay. But, you know, people change, improve, grow. It's, you know, I, I don't I don't put necessarily, you know, a uh, a poor first stint as a death knell. I mean, you know, Bill Belichick wasn't super great in Cleveland. There's tons of scenarios like this across sports where um, you know sometimes it could be the right person at the wrong time or the wrong at the wrong place but Raheem Morris to me if you made me say who's my number two I kind of feel like it's him now let's let me see where I'm at with Bobby Slowick should the Texans be competitive if not upset the Ravens this week Slowick has you know obviously seemingly done a lot to help CJ Stroud this year in the Houston offense has been impressive. If they can look impressive against the number one defense in the league, well, that's going to say something. Even if there's concerns about him being a one year a one year coordinator, thirty six years old, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see. So you got Ben Johnson and Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn going this weekend. You've got Slowick. You've got the two Ravens coaches, Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, and Anthony Weaver the defensive line coach slash associate head coach. Not so much sure how you're going to gauge 
him um, other than i guess if the defensive line is you know doing really well or doing poor but then isn't that the defensive coordinator so you know that's a whole other uh that's a whole other story so um right houston baltimore is, is first is one game by the way i'm gonna I'll, I'll just do these now i would i think i'm gonna take i would take houston with the point it, i don't see an upset per se with these with these teams but i think houston's interesting to me anyway uh let me go back here so houston Baltimore, Baltimore advancing Buffalo, Kansas City, no co- coaching candidates in this one. But this is the game where I think if you're Buffalo, you got to win this. Josh Allen, you got to win this game. You're at home. Kansas City's hardly at full strength in terms of like their offensive pow- prowess. This is the game for Buffalo. I will take Buffalo to win something like, you know, uh, 27, uh, 20, something like something to that effect. Um, but again, no, uh, no coaching candidates as we know of in uh, in these games in the NFC. Detroit, Tampa Bay. We already talked about the two Lions coordinators. Um, I think the Lions. I think the Lions will will will, will get this done. I'll go uh, twenty seven to sixteen. And uh, last game, San Fran at Green Bay. I, I think I'm more. I would be more likely to pick a Green Bay upset over San Fran than a Tampa upset over Detroit. I just, you know, even though both teams looked great last week, Tampa Bay was, you know, kind of middling down the stretch and Philly was just terrible. They took care of them. And then Tampa Bay, or sorry, Green Bay has looked really good for several weeks, but San Fran's a better team. Again, none of the, I think in the Green Bay San Fran game, I wonder if Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator, gets a look now that Adam Peters is here. Obviously, the Washington's initial list of head coaches uh, did not include – it came before Peters and it did not include Wilkes. So I wonder if that will be a a thing. Um, speaking of uh, San Fran, I, I still kind of keep wondering, you know, who is Peters going to bring over with him? Um, I, I've, I've heard it's possibly a, a pretty short list, like – Maybe not much at all, which which I think we're all used to because of what was happened with Ron Rivera. But anytime somebody new comes in, they bring over everybody they've ever met and all their friends and family in some capacity. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't know what long way to go. They haven't made any decisions yet on the staff here. But I don't know if I think Peters is going to bring over a ton of folks. But one name I wonder about is, especially if it's not a ben, if it's a defensive coordinator head coach, is a guy like Brian Greasy. Um, I even wonder to a degree if uh, if Ben Johnson is the head coach, somebody has to be the offensive coordinator, but it would be assumingly a non-play calling one. Maybe that's a guy like Brian Greasy who helped did a lot of help apparently with uh, Brock Purdy in San Francisco he, as the QB coach. Maybe this is a way to sort of get him up the the uh, the head, the title food chain, so to speak. I I mean. That, I'm sure Ben Johnson has his own ideas, but this would be one case where I wonder if Peters has a thought as well, having worked with Greasy out there. All right. Uh, so anyway, that's where we're at um, with with the coordinators. Again, it, it's not I, you know it's not a huge update. I think the key will be, you know, who gets the second interview next week in person. Um, we can probably assume Ben Johnson is one, but you know who else is there? I think the field is somewhat wide open, and I do still wonder with Ben Johnson. I don't know, but does he, you know, does he get, um, does he have the goods to be a manager of, um, of players? You know, I don't mean that in the Ron Rivera says he's been a manager more than a coach 
for three and a half years. I just mean like, you know, you have to be the front and center of that locker room. You have to have the good for the players to believe in you, right? It's not just, hey, call some really nice play. You have to have um, something else. Adam Peters seemed to suggest that they're not looking for either an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, but somebody who can be the right person to lead the team. And some of that can sound like coaching cliche, but I do kind of, um, I do kind of buy it. By the way, I, I forgot to say, bearing the lead here with Ben Johnson, he spoke to uh, local reporters in Detroit on Thursday, as off as coordinators do before a game, and he was asked by a local Detroit reporter about. Adam Peters, because obviously there's been those rumors. And here's what Ben Johnson had to say, quote, I know him just very briefly. I've heard nothing but fantastic things about people that have worked with him directly or have met him over the course of scouting on the road. So look forward to meeting him and talking more, end quote. Um, I watched the video. If you go to my Twitter feed uh, at Ben Standig, you can see it. When he gets to... I've heard nothing but fantastic things. It was more like I've heard nothing but fantastic things. Dot, dot, dot. Um, you know, my wonder has been from the start. Does Adam Peters and Ben John, do they have a relationship? Um, because if they do, that would make sense as to why all this sort of buzz about the two of them being together would make sense. Otherwise, you know, it, it it is taking a risk on the personality front because you're going to ultimately have, even if we say Adam Peters is in charge, you know, depending on how things go, Ben Johnson might be like, hey, we're winning games. You know, don't don't sleep on my uh, my role in any of this. Do I want more power? I'm not saying it's going to be negative at all or, or, or not or even close to that. I'm just saying when you do these things, you really need to feel comfortable with the person that you're working with now. Just to be clear, I'm not being a hypocrite when I've criticized Rivera, as many of us have, about being overly loyal with his staff, bringing back everybody with him from Carolina, a team that had been struggled down the stretch. Of course, you want familiar faces. That that's that that's normal. It's the it's to the degree that you do, as well as ha- what other what other voices do you bring in to help your cause? Are you bringing in people, maybe not who would say, um you know, speak truth to power per se, but like, you know, we're not just going to say what you want to hear. There is some of that required as well. And that's why it'll be interesting for sure to see who the new coach would bring in along with what, what Peters does in the front office, but you know, they got a vibe. Otherwise it doesn't, it's not going, it's probably not going to work. And, you know, Peters has worked with Bobby Slowick before. If Mike Vrabel gets involved, which I think is something I would at least explore much more than say Bill Belichick, who's is, who would be a short term fix, and he's looking to win immediately because for the to, to break down Shula's record for all time wins. Um, Jim Harbaugh, unless he and Peters already have a relationship, which I don't know that they do, I, I would not be interested in that. Harbaugh's going to want his own GM, even if he doesn't have final say in personnel, uh, which is why I think guys like Ed Dodds, uh, with the Colts, he's been linked to Ian Cunningham. With uh, the Bears, who's got ties to John, who, who coached under John Harbaugh in Baltimore, could be interesting. Uh, so, and you know, I've heard some other names um, as well. So, we'll see. I, I think that uh, I, I, maybe I, I, it's possible. I'm just trying to keep pushing the boulder up the hill by suggesting this isn't a slam dunk for Ben Johnson. 
I don't think I'm not saying that anybody is definitively saying that. It's just that it's the one name we're hearing constantly. So it feels like he's the massive front runner, even if that's not necessarily the case. But Ben Johnson does seem to be the name that gets mentioned the most. And, uh, you know, we'll see if it's ultimately a game of telephone, if Washington really um, was confident that the 37 year old offensive coordinator who's done a great job with the Lions the last two years is their answer. Um, all right, so so that's what's going on there. Uh, I will say that um, you know I, I uh, you know Ron Rivera did come out and speak one on one with uh, on John Kimes podcast. You can go check that out. Um, you know, I think I, I think Rivera he didn't necessarily address he didn't address anybody by name, meaning uh, in terms of the media, but he did have a couple comments about the media. And I'm not trying to be. Um, arrogant here but i would imagine some of that was a reaction to the story i had up on the athletic about kind of what went wrong um, over the course of the four years in in uh, under rivera how narratives played a big uh, uh, maybe too big of a factor uh, in the view of some people close to the situation and frankly people who were just covering the team anyway um check out john kimes interview with R- rivera and then i would say as a companion piece you know read my story as well um, you know, it sounds like Ron is saying he he may have other opportunities um, to get back into coaching. Curious to see what that would mean. He says he's open to being a defensive coordinator. Okay, uh, I, I, you know, look, I, I Ron had a good track record as a defensive coordinator. I wish he had been more involved. No, no, no knock on Del Rio per se. I'm just saying, why would you not? You know, it, like if Ben Johnson gets the job here, and it's not going to be the same thing because of the structure. But you know, um, you know, it would be weird if Ben Johnson was the co- was the co- the the head coach, and then all of a sudden stopped calling plays, for example. But these things can happen depending on how much responsibilities you have. Peters will will take on more responsibility than what Rivera the setup was allowed to, I guess, to an degree. Um, I will just say that Ron Rivera was in charge. He kind of could have done whatever he wanted. He could have had Jack Del Rio. Uh, he could have told, told to Jack Del Rio, "Hey, I'm going to be more involved over here." He could have just assigned, I don't know, somebody to deal with some of these knucklehead things that he seemed to suggest were, were coming his way at times, whether that's in, depending on whether that's a, a coaching thing or a, uh, a management thing. You know, others could have had could have done those jobs. In any event, that's not going to be the, as much of an issue here because of Peters' uh, situation. But nonetheless, um, you know, something always to consider. Anyway. I'm curious to see where Rivera should he land somewhere. I'll be curious to see who who says, um, you know, we're in the Ron Rivera business. Uh, hope hope it works out for everybody involved. Um, uh, here, of course, it's you know people are excited that Adam Peters is here. That there's going to be a new head coach soon. Eventually, we'll get to the draft, and that'll generate a ton of excitement with Washington holding the number two pick along with six in the top 102 and nine selections overall um on the by the way the salary cap you know when i'm talking about the salary cap numbers i'm going off of what is available information which is typically off off of um, over the cap or spotrack spotrack um i'm not calculating the book sometimes the nfl will put out the information but um you know the, in real time those are the ones the best at some point it went from 90 into about 75 i must believe that was i'm assuming that was for the draft like you know carving out the, the the picks or the money for the draft in any event the current numbers show washington has the most salary cap so that's more notable than the number um 
they're going to have to spend, you know, they're going to spend in to re-sign their own people, to add a, a, a core player to at one of their big need areas and their need areas are primary or, or the big spending areas, offensive tackle, defensive end, cornerback, things like that. So that money will go quick, but I just wanted to emphasize, don't focus on the money, focus on the space. And they right now have the most uh, cap space in the league per over the cap. And then that's just now nothing else has happened. You know, who knows what other veterans they, they cut, or restructure contracts, or what have you. So uh, that's your quick little update, although it's, uh, I don't know how quick it was. Quick little update on the on the co- coordinator search, um, some picks, and so on. Now we're going to get a little bit weird. But I promise you, I'm not, I'm, we're not, I'm not derailing this podcast. We're not going so far out of whack. I just think it's, you know, it's important to f- present yourself with something, think about it, and then go from there. Right. It's one thing to come up with a solution that is the answer. Like, you know, I'm sorry. In other words, like, I think we should hire Adam Peters if you're the team five months ago and you just stayed on there, didn't consider anything else. And just five months later said, okay, we're going to hire Adam Peters. And that sounds good. But what else did you consider? Who else did you did you look at other candidates? Did you consider, hey, maybe we could go get the best head coach possible, put them in a coach centric situation, but one with better structure, with better cohesion than what maybe happened the last time if you don't do these things then you're falling short of your responsibilities even if you ultimately hire the right person and you know a a good example it's some of an extreme one but is that 2020 last game of the regular season eagles commanders where the where philly it's a more of a competitive game than you would think based on the record whatever but philly benches Jalen hurts as we know for nate sudfeld to help ensure that they lose that game because winning that game would have, you know, lessened their draft pick, and that was more important to them. So that's what they did. Washington wins the game, wins the division, goes to the playoffs. We get the Taylor Heineke uh, full hero story out of essentially out of that. All that occurred. You have to wonder if Washington loses that game, are they in a better position today? They would have been in position to get Justin Fields. They would have been in position to get Micah Parsons. We know they took a linebacker, of course. And you just have to wonder. But here's the thing. It's not so much whether I think Rivera should have done what the Eagles did. I don't necessarily think that at all. I just wonder, do you think about it? And if you're not thinking about these things, whoever it is, then I don't think you're doing a, you're not doing due diligence to the overall situation. You've got to look at all angles. Um, you know, again, you may get to the right one, but you got to consider all of them, especially when you're in this building stage and, you know, trying to find different ways to win. That's where cre- that's where ingenuity comes from is by thinking you know, outside of the herd. That is what this segment's about. Is that a better way to sell it? Who knows? All right, so here we go. Myself, Mike Smeltz, here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, uh, coming back, I can't say he's our returning champion because I've neglected to have him on for a bit, but, you know, he's been a a returning champion in the past. My colleague of the Athletic, Mike Smeltz, who does a great job with all of our, uh, with a lot of our podcasts and audio uh, work over there. He did the Playmakers narrative podcast. Right. Play callers narrative podcast yeah, last year. Sorry. I, yeah, I don't know anything. Thing. Play car narrative podcast last year that focused <laughs> a lot on that uh, former uh, uh, Washington coaching class of 2013. You may have heard of um, Mike. Uh, how, how, how are you? This is the first time we've talked in the post. Well, certainly it, 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 it's certainly in the post Adam Peters era, uh, all of uh, three days. How, how, uh, how are you doing? You know, I, you know, I gotta say, um, Typically, these in as having the most dysfunction, 
uh, amongst all the NFC East teams. And all around us, the Cowboys are going to bring back McCarthy and no one's happy. Uh, the Eagles, uh, Nick Sirianni is going to meet with the owner and have to explain how he may fix the coaching staff. Uh, the Giants have all these stories coming out about how coaches are cursing each other out and quitting and leaving millions of dollars on the table just to get away from Brian Dayball. And, you know, we're sitting here. I'm a Commanders fan, so I'm not, you know, I can be open and honest about that. And we have this beautiful image of Adam Peters getting off a private jet. He looks great. He looks fantastic. He has a beautiful family. And it's just like, we have $80 million in cap space. We have the number two overall pick. We have more draft assets beyond that. And it's just like an odd feeling to, I would think, I don't know about this for sure, the commander's fan base may be the most optimistic about the team of anyone in the NFC East. And, and the commanders were the worst by far. But like it is kind of uh, bright and shiny, even though here in where I live in Rockville, it is snowy and cold and ugly. So like, you know, it's it's just an odd feeling to actually like, feel good about the franchise for the first time in since 1999. I mean, it's not just that they were last at four and 13 last year. It's the whole last, you know, 20 odd years. It's like, uh, you know, like I, I wrote something the other day to the effect of, it's not like there haven't been other turning points, you know, where they changed this coach or did something different with the Dan Snyder tax. The, you know, the, there was always this, Oh no, it's going to come at some point here. You know, how long is this going to last? I, we have no idea how this is going to go, but at least it feels like the potential is limitless here because there are adults in the room. And so far between Harris, uh, Adam Peters, for the you know, based on the reputation we've heard, the additions of like guys like Bob Myers from the Warriors, like okay, all right, I, I, let, let's let's see where this goes. Rather than oh my lord, what Vinny Serrato is back? Are you serious? Yeah, I mean every time the Commanders were good, it was so brief. It was a one-year thing, right? There was no consistency. The only thing that was consistent was that this team was never going to be like that that stout. And, you know, I remember what it was like last year for the Eagles where it felt like that Eagles team, the, what they were building with Hurts, was like this is going to be a sustained dynasty. And at the draft when Howie Roseman is grabbing every Georgia Bulldog, you're thinking, oh, wow, what a stacked roster they're building. And then I'll look at this year. You know, they were 10 and one, and then I would, they lost five of six, and they lost horribly in the playoffs. And, you know, it's always a lesson every year we're going to learn this in the NFL. It's so rare when teams have consistency. Even, again, the Eagles, who we think of as having a very, a fairly stable, I don't know if stable is the right word, but a, a fairly well thought of franchise. And even they now are in sort of like this flux of like, well, they don't know what the future holds. Is Jalen Hurts actually that good? Um, and, and, you know, that's why you maybe could be excited about Adam Peters because he was part of an organization where when for the past few years, San Francisco has been one of the best teams in, in football. And they've also done it when they've had Garoppolo and then they tried Trey Lance and now they got to Purdy, right? They've done it sort of like the Joe Gibbs way of not having a consistent quarterback. I think maybe Purdy's going to be that guy, but um I don't know. It gives you hope. And also you saw what the Houston Texans did. You see it's, if you get the right rookie quarterback with the right play caller, it's not impossible to think a turnaround. Like the Texans were as low as you could possibly be. And look at them. You know, they're playing Baltimore in the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, like people have heard me say this so many times. I'm sure they're, you know, play a drinking game out of this. But um, 
you know, I'm always leery of the assistant GMs or the coordinators taking the head job because how can I, how can we determine what, where, you know, where they start and the person ahead of them begins and that type of thing. But in this case, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty noted that Adam Peters is the primary talent evaluator with San Francisco, the John Lynch, you know, he provides a lot of leadership uh, and, and operational help. And Kyle Shanahan obviously takes, um, you know, has, has a strong voice. But Peters, particularly, like I say, the later rounds, but really all the rounds, is a guy that has done a lot. And that roster is obviously stacked, whether it's draft picks, trades, free agents, but like a lot of draft picks at all the rounds, needless to say, the even the last pick in the draft a couple of years ago with Brock Purdy. Uh, so that's why it is pretty optimistic uh, with, with Peters. And, you know, depending on what they do at number two, you know, they may have the most hopeful quarterback situation in the division in the sense that Jalen Hurts, I'm with you. I don't. I thought perhaps he got paid prematurely, but okay, we'll see. He's been hurt this year as well, but he's already been paid a ton of money. So Washington with potentially taking a quarterback at two could have the most potential uh, if this quarterback hits. That said, mm-hmm. as I mentioned in the introduction, M- Mike is not here only to, uh, you know, share his uh, wit and intellect. He is here to do, we haven't officially named this segment. But we're, we're, we're the, the current working title that we just came up with before the show started is uh, Bad Ideas That Mike Texts Ben About mm-hmm. the Commanders. Yep. Bad is perhaps a bit – maybe there should be a question Bad mark. ideas. No, they're bad ideas. Because, like, listen, I get – you are – you're in the hallowed position of covering the Commanders in the greater Washington, D.C. area. And so many people care about the Commanders. And I'm sure there's many people in your life – who text you about the commanders and ask you questions. And even though we work for the same company, I am that person as well. And I, <laughs> I only have bad ideas for this team because that's all I can produce. But I do, I do want, you know, there's something that we need to think about um, on a few different levels regarding this team. So there are bad ideas that I text you and that you very politely uh, invited me on your pod <laughs> to discuss and publicly air for everyone to hear. So I well, appreciate you, that. You know, one thing I, I've been praising about Josh Harris since he got here was, look, this is a guy who thinks outside the box. The process is the obvious big picture example. And even since he's been here just in the last two weeks, the hiring of Bob Myers, not just to, for the searches, but to be a voice for him is very creative and outside the box. So I think it's important to look at outside the box ideas because Who's to say they, they will make conventional choices in whatever it is that's to come up as they fill out the coaching staff, the roster, and make these picks? So all that said, Mike uh, has some ideas for us. We're going to discuss them, see, well, you know, is, is there anything we can, uh, is there anything we should take away from them? Is there something there that, you know, maybe there's something to, to mull over a little bit more or things to just be like, okay, we need to get Mike more sleep. Whatever is about to come out of his yeah. mouth, we're here for it. So Mike. Give us your first one. Yep. What's your, you know, quote unquote, bad idea that we're going to actually uh, consider as a outside the box thought? Well, I mean, this is going to be the smartest thing and the most accurate thing I'm going to say. Um, is Adam Peters too good looking to be trusted? Okay. <laughs> now, listen. Adam Peters is a handsome man. It must be said. Okay. He has great hairline, fantastic hair, styled. He was wearing, um, what did my wife say? He wore... It's some fancy company, um, like jacket, um, Montclair. He was wearing sure. a Montclair jacket coming, and that's the first thing she noticed as he got off the PJ. Um, here's why: 
that we may need to be worried. Okay, one, we were told how expansive the GM search was, but it ended up being the guy that everyone thought it was going to be, right? So I appreciate the number of interviews and the the speed that they did it and the alleged thoroughness that they did it, but they ended up with the conventional choice, okay? Which is fine. The conventional choice may be the right choice. I'm worried, okay, a guy like Adam Peters walks into the room, okay, handsome, well-spoken, like you, you were there at the press conference. He's like very calm, you know, um, he isn't like a, a kind of all over the place like I am as a communicator. I wonder if because he is so good looking that it kind of pulled the wools over the eyes of Josh Harris and Bob Myers and all those folks that they thought he's in fact, you know, the, the guy, it, it, it is actually a thing. Um, if you think about it in politics, you know, typically sometimes we elect people because they look good on a poster and we don't really investigate how good they are at their job. Now, we believe we know how good Adam Peters is because he was number two, probably really number three because John Lynch and, and Shanahan are really one and two. But let's say Adam Peters is number two just on the personnel side, which he was. We believe his resume is one thing, which it, and it, it, it seems great. I'm just saying who was one of the greatest general managers in basketball then? At Riley. Gary Krause. Okay. Oh. Jerry Krause, this is not, I'm not going to get into bad territory, Jerry Krause. This is in support of Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause looked like Bob Myers or Adam Peters. He, we'd be celebrating him more than we have. So I think, I think there's a bias for good-looking people. I mean, that's a known thing. And so I just worry. I, I don't know. I'm just saying if he walks into the room that, that people are not, or people are going to think that guy knows what he's doing. But I don't, we don't really know. I'm just, I just want to throw that out there. He may be too good looking to trust. Do you uh, agree that I want you to go on the record right now, Ben, is Adam Peters too good looking to trust? What do you think for a guy who's going to have to cover hopefully 10 Super Bowls in a row led by Adam? Peters well, I'm going to, uh, you know, because I'm an unbiased reporter, so I'm not going to, <laughs> uh, you know, weigh in on the, on, on the level of looks. I will say that the his his uh his looks have come up in various conversations not necessarily initiated by me but it it is something that is uh notable or noticeable for people are you a 30 rock guy yes of course so did you ever see the episode where uh tina Fey's character uh is going out with john ham's character for mm -hmm. for a bit obviously john ham a very handsome man and she realizes that in this episode that like he, th he says he's a really good cook and his food tastes like garbage and everything else he says he's really good at turns out he's actually terrible and she discovers that the reason is he's lived in a bubble his whole life because he's so handsome that everybody just says hey man you're great and he con she confronts him with this and then he decides yeah you know what I'm going to continue to live in my bubble and uh, whatever you think <laughs> so be it so in society there is something to be said for that and you know look I am as I wrote the other day after Peters uh, was introduced, like I spoke to people around the league. I spoke to uh, a colleague, one of, one of the main uh, executives with the 49ers. I talked to senior bowl executive director, Charles uh, Jim Nagy, who worked with Peters as a scout with new England. I talked to various agents and people with other teams. I, it's not so much. I, I certainly wasn't looking for negative for negatives. I certainly wasn't looking for, 
indifferent. But if I was, I was out of luck because nobody said anything remotely negative about him. It was all um, exceedingly positive, even from people who I know to be not that kind of a person at all times. So it's an interesting thought you have because, look, he gets a lot of attention for his evaluation. But I remember even in my um, agent survey, people were noting his communication skills. He's somebody they trust. Yeah, I I have not heard a single negative word of the people I've spoken to about this guy. So just let's just be aware, you know. Let's just be out. Let's be, and and also he can use his looks to his his advantage. You know, you can just see, you know that that's how he'll get free agents, and people will be charmed by him. I'm just saying, let's be aware as Commander fans. Okay, number I have another one. Okay. Well, wait, wait. So hold on. Oh, yeah. So hold on one second. Um, sure. Was um. So while 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 you're just you know acknowledging. The uh, handsome, el- yeah. you know, acknowledging the elephant in the room, so to speak, is handsome. It's like, like we're all bl- perhaps blind to it and not noticing yeah. it, it, not noticing that. Um, you know, do you feel they've got to make a coaching search now, too? Do you feel that, like, are there any coaching <laughs> candidates that you're like a little so bit handsome. concerned about because, yeah, because their looks, like, I've had people say, won't say who, but I've had people say to me, Ben Johnson is a striking uh, oh. young man and he is, you know, viewed as the top target for Washington. Uh, Diane Rossini reported that. Others have reported that. I've heard similar things at this point. What, are you, are you, any concerns there? My concern with the Ben Johnson like uh, narrative that is developing is that, again, we're being messaged by ownership. This has nothing to do with looks. Is that, you know, this is an expansive process. Adam Pierce talked about it himself. You know, that he's not looking offense, defense. He's looking for the best sort of leader, the culture setter and all that. And Ben Johnson is the conventional choice, the the choice where if I was an owner, I would want Ben Johnson. But I say that as not a good thing. Again, this segment is bad ideas with Mike Smeltz. So any of these ideas are bad. And if I like them, that means like if you have me on for a betting segment, bet against me. Okay, I just bet, go the other way. Um and so, like, my concern, Ben Johnson seems great. Offense, I really love watching that offense. Super dynamic. It's different. It actually relies on running the ball, which is after this past season uh, with Biennemi, who I think was a fine OC. I I welcome running the ball on a big level because he didn't do that. Um, but it is – Adam Peters is the conventional GM to pick. It's great that they got him. This is not a negative, but he's a conventional one. And Ben Johnson would be the conventional coach to elevate into the head coaching role. I, you know, there are people, I would be interested in like the gut check. You know, I remember, so I did that series, the play callers with Jordan Rodriguez. Jordan really did it. It was Jordan's work. She was incredible. And she got Kevin Demoff and Les Snead, the leadership at the Rams to talk about them hiring Sean McVay and McVeigh was not the conventional choice, and but he crushed the interview, like absolutely dominate. Like the interv- it became clear immediately to Les Snead and Demoff that Sean McVeigh was the guy. Um, and so I hope that Peters, Josh Harris, whoever else is going to be involved with the actual head coaching search, would be open to evaluating Ben Johnson for who that interview will be, and thinking, is this the right guy? And being open to, there's people that I like, 
other potential head coaching candidates. Um, and I, I just don't like that. The fact that it's, it seems predestined because I think predestined in a, in a job search typically leads to bad outcomes. I'm not saying it definitely will, but that's my concern. I, um, I would have had the same concern on the Adam Peters hire itself. I mean, I, I'm not saying that like they had 100% locked in on him, but like starting at about, I don't know, a couple weeks before the season ended, you started hearing it's Adam Peters job to lose. It's Adam Peters job to lose. And it's hard to know. Sometimes is that a game of telephone that everybody's hearing the same thing and just repeating it? Or is this the reality? Well, then the whole interview take, you know, the whole process takes five days. It really took five months plus the five days. But in terms of the interview, it seemed like they were locked in on him, which again, makes sense. But if they hadn't had the five months, if it had sort of just happened at the end of the year, I would have been more concerned about having locked in on him. You know, it's like, for example, like I, I'm, it's been too many years now, but like, I don't remember like the, with Ron Rivera, I, I, you know, it felt like it was like Ron Rivera. Maybe there's some other names I'm forgetting, but like, I don't know. It kind of felt like it was Ron Rivera. And, and even the way that it was described where Snyder reached out to him a few days after he got fired. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, the various meetings, let me say, like, yeah. it seemed like Snyder viewed Rivera as the guy, but in any event, all right. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm Ben Johnson. I'm, I, I feel like I had, to, if I had to put money, I would put it on him, but I, I still want to see, I still think this is more, one more wide open than the GM was. And perhaps, Maybe most notably, as you're saying, maybe Ben Johnson is just too handsome for the job itself, and that's and that's the uh, and that's the problem. Yeah, but I mean, the, if I'm going to be clear, the people I would be very interested in, not knowing a ton of personally about Ben Johnson, so maybe he's like a super dynamic leader type, and being under Dan Campbell and that culture is very intriguing because that is the the sort of the buzziest culture. I'm a big basketball fan, so the Lions feel most like heat culture of any of the franchises right now. Um, Raheem Morris, I know that he was here in Washington. There was sort of this idea that he was just friends with Kyle Shanahan, and that's why he came here to coach in Washington under Mike. But I I have heard enough interviews. He was part of the Play Caller series where he seems so chock full of leadership and charisma and results that interest me. And I don't know why Mike Vrabel, like, I feel like we're missing the boat. People are missing the boat on Mike Vrabel. Like, I don't understand why he, every team isn't trying to get Mike Vrabel because he consistently outcoached other teams when he had less talent. Like he had one of the best teams in the AFC for years with Ryan Tannehill, who just isn't and wasn't that good. Um, And so those would be the two people I'm interested in. I know they're defensive guys, I don't really care as much about the offense versus defense thing. I think it's it's more of the head coach has to be like a manager, be able to relate to a lot of people, get people moving in all the right direction, than being sort of the play calling genius that like a Mike McDaniel, unless you get Kyle Shanahan, which is like the guy for me. Right. No, uh, in general, I'm with you. Look, I mean, I don't know if he's telling us the truth, but you know, Peter said it's not going to be a matter of offense or defense, but who's the right person to lead the team and you know the your whole uh Raheem Morris thing, I'm kind of with you like I get the idea of why you want an offensive play caller or a play caller in general it keeps the head coach part of uh what's happening play to play and you know if you keep have an offensive guy you don't have to look for a new one every two years when the one you have does well but 
you know, I don't want to talk about culture that was way overused in, in this place the last few years, but there is something to be said for the leader of men type. And it's not that they can't be the both. It's just that they typically come from the defensive side or a different type of personality, you know, the Vrabels, the Tomlins, what have you, than, um, than the offensive side for whatever the reason. All right, that said, yeah. let's get to your second uh, quote-unquote bad idea. What, what, what do you got? So this this change, I texted you this before the Cowboys brought Mike McCarthy. I have two for the draft, okay? Two ideas. And I'm going to ask you this, and, and I, we can maybe fake GM it. I don't really, it doesn't really matter. But when, before the, the Cowboys brought back Mike McCarthy, I was thinking maybe Jerry Jones is going to blow it up. Probably not now. But let me ask you this, okay? And I want Commanders fans to really think about this, okay? Let's imagine they don't want Dak Prescott. The Cowboys. He has like a $40 million expiring deal. His next contract, it's going to be super high no matter what. Okay. Would you give up the number two overall pick for Dak? Two first round picks from the Cowboys, a second round pick, and a fourth round pick. You know, you, you could change whatever year you want around. The first round pick, one of them is definitely coming this year from the Cowboys. The reason why that could actually happen is maybe they decide to keep McCarthy, but part of the thing is like Dak just isn't good enough. Like Dak is not going to do it for us because Dak has allegedly failed in the playoffs. The dumping him, there are only going to be so many teams that are going to want him that the Cowboys would would trade him to, but the number two two overall pick is like massive value. So the commanders would be getting a lot. They'd be getting a lot in the future. And who was the last quarterback as good as Dak that the commanders have had? Dak Kirk is Evans. better than what Kirk was, right? I would uh, say. I kind of feel like they're, well, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. And this what am I on to... a show with Kevin Sheehan right now? You're going to defend Kirk Cut now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. I, 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 hear, I hear your point, though. Um, this would be a massive upgraded quarterback. It's already somebody who's shown they, at least in the regular season, are one of the better quarterbacks in the league whether that's top eight top 12 you know whatever we can debate we can debate some of that he certainly was an mvp or should be i assume an mvp candidate this season based on what he did and you'd be getting back a bunch of picks because basically dallas has to pay washington to take on this ridiculous contract just to look it up really quick here according to uh I still don't know if it's Spo- Spotrack or Spot. Yeah, I always think it's called Spotrack or it's Spot Rack, right? Yeah. Either way, it makes no sense. Uh, yeah. But that said, um, his 2024 cap hit is 59.5 million, and his dead cap, should you just cut bait, is 61.9 million. It, it, even next year, the dead cap is 36.4, but this is the last year of the actual contract. So you would have to take all that on and then likely renegotiate all that out. Um, Again, you would immediately have arguably the best quarterback in the division. One of the better quarterbacks in the NFC, if not the league. And who has a chip on his shoulder. Cause think, let's think this out. Okay. He would be, how would you feel as a high level athlete? Like Dak is to, to be traded in the division to the rival just because like whatever Jerry Jones have had enough of you. So what the commanders are going to be getting is a top 10, let's just say top 10 quarterback with a chip on his shoulder playing for a contract and a guy who knows the division knows how to win in the division, all of that stuff. 
And let's flip to the other side. Okay, we're all excited. Everyone, come on, we're all excited for the number two overall pick. The idea of what Drake May, Caleb Williams, or Jaden Daniels could be is so exciting. Well, everyone should just go through the past seven drafts and look at all the quarterbacks drafted in the top 10. You're going to find a list of players who Mitch Trubisky, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. You're just going to find a number of guys who seem to be awesome at the time that are barely backup level now. So the I would just, as exciting as the possibility of Drake May becoming Justin Herbert 2.0, it's more likely that he's like, it just isn't, right? That he isn't that. Um, and Dak would be a guaranteed guaranteed, you know, Pro Bowl level quarterback that would be a massive upgrade and total difference maker. So I'm just saying, you know, it's a bad idea because I'd rather just have the rookie too because it's more exciting. But think, you know, we this is a type of outside the box thinking that um, I think Josh Harris probably actually entertains considering he was part of the process Sixers. Yeah, you got, again, I think, you know, whether you ultimately do, thinking about an idea and executing it are very different things, but to not think about an idea, regardless of what you do, shows a lack of ingenuity and creativity, and I think that's something that's plagued this organization in the past, uh, and it's why, yeah, it's something you should consider. Now, Dak is 30, I, I don't know when he turns 31, but Dak's 30, so clearly, from an overall projection, you're talking about a guy with, like, maybe, let I mean, you know, Putting Tom Brady six, aside, you know, years. four to six years to some yeah. degree, you know, depending on injuries and what have you, versus a 22-year-old who would only just be starting, but, you know, have no idea, like you said, whether they're going to work out, what, what's the potential. Um, one difference, you know, whenever I point out that Sam Howell's a fifth-round pick versus a potential number two pick, I get people saying, stop mentioning the fifth-round pick. It doesn't matter anymore. He's in the league. Okay, well, it matters in the sense that at the time they came into the league, the projection for what this player could be is why Howe went to the fifth round and potentially Drake May or Jaden Daniels goes second. That is a big deal because this isn't just about who's going to win the game tomorrow. It's about how high, and it's not even just about winning the regular season. It's about what potential can this player reach? Can they get to a certain level? And the problem with Dak is, I don't know if we can say that because he's now, you know, three years he's in a row. Formed, they, yeah. They, They've been great in the regular season. It's why, to me, Brady is definitively the better historical quarterback than, than Manning. And I didn't paint Manning. And I didn't need the extra Super Bowls to, to see that. It's because Tom Brady in the postseason looked like Tom Brady in the regular season, whereas Peyton Manning, maybe the greatest regular season quarterback ever, fell shy of that over and over again in the postseason. But that said, it's an interesting idea. The division part makes it highly unlikely beyond anything else. Can How you imagine? How much fun would that be? I mean, the, the Dallas Commanders games are already just, you know, when they're both teams are good, it's huge. But Commanders would be the Thanksgiving game for sure. And and then the, the home, they'd actually maybe be the home Monday night football game to start the year if Dak was starting for the Commanders. And one other little note, okay? I mean, I like Dak Prescott. Like I, you know, regardless of him being a cowboy. He's had Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy as his head coaches, Right what if he had Ben Johnson, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, let's just, let's just Bobby Slowick. So it, it, it's almost like the, the basketball player who finally gets that like awesome coach that unlocks them and allows them to play the way they're supposed to play. 
you know, like, and it's what Charger fans are hoping Justin Herbert has in the next coach. It's whoever, you know, coming down and it's, it, it's going to matter. You would hope that the commanders, if, if they made this move now, I don't think they're going to make it. Cause I, I can't imagine Dak. I mean, Ben, when do you, you think them bringing back McCarthy means that like they are bringing the whole band back together. I would imagine, right? Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. I mean, just to, just to make a final point on Dallas as to what's gone wrong with them. You know, I, I heard people saying, well, clearly McCarthy lost the locker room. That That is an insane point. If you lost the locker room, they wouldn't be 12 and 5 or whatever they were. Uh, that, that wouldn't have been a thing. It would have been, you know, more chaotic during the year. They were a pretty smooth year, relatively speaking, just for whatever reason, they're not getting it done. And I, as I watched that game, I don't know. I just kind of felt like Dak is the one who is kind of the underwhelming piece. So in other words, it wouldn't stun me if Jerry was like, all right, we, McCarthy is less the, the problem, but the wonder is what do we do with Dak? He's at now of a certain age. It's kind of like he is who he is. So how do we get this over the top? I think that's kind of where if I'm Dallas, th- th- this issue lies more. The the way to avoid dealing with Dak is to fire the coach and start over there, but they didn't do that. So I, I don't imagine that Dallas is going to do anything. Of course, the cap hit for them would be, you know, still pretty severe and all that. And you know, but nonetheless, as as sure. the point of this exercise, thinking outside the box, that was definitely that. Um, all right, I, I probably have time for maybe one more or so. So give yeah. us. I assume you have another one on your uh, list there. Okay, why the Commanders should trade up to number one overall? Okay. So this this goes to conviction. I know the conventional thinking is Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels or Drake Bay, they're all about the same, right? I mean, Caleb, it gets the biggest bump because he's most known, um, and he's obviously been incredibly successful. Drake May is sort of – you had to really know who he was as a college football fan two years ago to, like, understand – the talent that he possesses, but everyone knows Drake May has been on the side of the boards for a while. And Jaden Daniels, you know, just absolutely had one of the greatest quarterback seasons ever in the history of college football this past year. Um, and so they're all kind of lumped together. It's always tiered Caleb, then Drake, then Jaden Daniels. What I would say is that we don't know for sure that Chicago's picking number one overall, even though they are interviewing Cliff Kingsbury to be the OC. Not confirmed, not confirmed as in he's going to get the job, but he's being interviewed. Cliff Kingsbury coached Caleb Williams at USC. Um, but there's, of course, discussion that the Bears may trade that number one overall pick. If you're the commanders and you are, are, have a conviction that one of these quarterbacks is the better prospect by even 5%, I think you have to really think about taking your second overall pick, going to Chicago and saying, we'll give you number two and we'll give you, I don't know what it would be. I mean, uh, one of the second round picks. Give Chicago, you can have back your second round pick. And if that's the case, and that's all it takes, because from Chicago's point of view, then they're sitting at two and they can retrade two to whoever else who wants the other quarterback, right? They can go take two and go to um, the Atlanta Falcons and say, give us eight and give us a future first. So they're accumulating their draft capital. They're doing that rolling avalanche effect. For the commanders, my argument would be what I don't want. This is what happened when Ron Rivera came in, and he drafted Chase Young. And at the time, the narrative of Tua and Herbert aren't that good, Chase Young is a sure thing, 
They focused it on Chase Young. They drafted Chase Young. What I don't want is for the narrative to overtake evaluation. And the evaluation, if it proves that one of these quarterbacks, if they think it is 5 to 10% to 20% better than the other two, they should pay up. Because the, the cost of paying up to get to number one won't be exorbitant. And the increase in probability that you're getting by really trusting your evaluation is almost priceless, right, for a quarterback. If you believe, if it takes you from a 30% likelihood that this guy's going to work out to a 40% likelihood, that is that's actually a massive difference in terms of the lifespan of a quarterback and the value of a quarterback. So again, I think the commander should, if they love one of these guys, that they should be aggressive in moving up to number one because they, they have the ability to do it more than any team, actually, in the draft. That's it. Bad idea. I no no I'm I'm just uh, considering that. Um, well, let me just go back to to something you know you talked about. You don't want the narrative to overwhelm the evaluation. And I wrote when Ron Rivera was fired how the narrative became too much of a focus on a lot of the decisions that were being made. And sometimes the narrative could even just be uh, used as the fallback. Like I'm not I, I've never been one to say hey they screwed up by not taking Justin Herbert or Tua at two instead of Chase Young because. There were a lot of factors that went to seeming like why Washington was going to do that. But like you said, it's almost like, well, Chase Young was from from D.C. Chase Young was this great passing prospect. The fact that they already had three first-round picks on the defensive line seemed to not be a, a, a factor. Like, it's a lot of assets in one spot, which I think it proved to be. So I'm with you. I'm not saying that they completely fell on some narrative there, but. I, I get your point. It is interesting, of course, as well, that the number two guy that year and the potential number one guy this year, Caleb Williams, are from D.C. One thing I've heard from people is that coming playing at home for Chase Young was probably not the best thing for him, and he's certainly not the only athlete we ever hear about that from. So I, I think I'd be leery about the D.C. part. All that said, like uh, Rick Spielman, the, the ex-Viking GM who's part of the search committee here, he said on a... I think he does some free, some work for CBS Sports, I think. But he said on a video the other day, when asked to rank where does Caleb Williams fit in with all the other top quarterbacks going back for years, he basically said the only guy going all the way back to John Elway that he would, uh, in terms of what they were like at the draft, at the time of the draft, that the only one he wouldn't have definitively taken, or sorry, the only one he wouldn't have definitively taken Caleb Williams over was Andrew Luck. So he's saying, as a prospect, he likes Caleb Williams better than Peyton Manning, better than um, Lamar Jackson, better than, well, I think he said Lamar, but better than uh, John yeah, Elway, which yeah. seems nuts Trevor to me. Trevor Lawrence, but, yeah. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. So, okay, whether that's real or not, that he's getting that level of hype. This isn't just, hey, this guy's a, a good quarterback, take him in the first round. This is like potentially, I hate the, the, the generational term, but, you know, somebody who could be legitimately – beyond just simply a pro bowler, which is kind of what we're talking about before, like Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins. So if you feel that way, boy, I really would consider making those types of moves. I think the hope would be that the, the Bears either A, think that a Drake May is equivalent, or B, think Justin Fields is their guy and they're trading out. Now, I, I worry if they if they think Justin Fields is their guy, they may want to trade down more and get more stuff. Because like you said, going from two to one, I don't. I mean, I guess they could then trade two as well. But like, you know, I I don't even know what what, what in your uh, crafting of this did you come up with like a trade? Yeah, I mean, 
the bare bones of so like you could maybe think back to Mitch Trubisky that when the Bears traded up for Mitch Trubisky for I think they traded two. A two and a three yeah right and so you could say well the Commanders have an extra two from the Bears and they have a three of their own and that comp pick and you could say okay well look at it this way we traded Chase Young Montez Sweat and the number two overall pick to get Caleb Williams well Chase Young it, it, it has not you know. It's kind of borne out that it's actually a bad trade by Adam Peters. Um, <laughs> but um, he has not done much. Montez Sweat has been awesome. And that trade, you know, I think the only reason they made it is because they knew that they would, that, that number two, that second round draft pick was so valuable uh, for this new franchise or for the new leadership. But if, if trading, just imagine what players you get in the second round and third round, okay? Um, Malcolm Kelly. <laughs> is that unfair to say about Malcolm Kelly? Um, who, uh, you know, like any, we all get excited about second and third round picks. The Patriots dynasty was built roughly on second and third round picks besides Tom Brady, but also they aren't sometimes just not good players. And if trading those dice rolls, plus your number two roll pick, which of course you would do to get Caleb Williams, who, if you believe is, the next, the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, then that's a no-brainer, right? Now, maybe the Bears will feel that way. And maybe the Bears will evaluate a different offer, though. They may see, you know, maybe it is the Falcons or someone else and say, we'll trade you our first round this year and two first rounders for the next two years. And for the Bears, they're like, well, that's more valuable to us. But again, I would go back to like, if we're playing out the scenario, well, then the Bears have the number two pick. And then there's still ultra value in that two pick because there definitely are going to be evaluators that think Drake May or Jaden Daniels are better than Caleb Williams. And I'm not saying that the, the commanders are like you're like, I, I think the Rick Spielman quote is a very important quote to think about now. But, you know, Adam Peters may have a different idea. If you look back at the quarterbacks that they've taken, it's actually kind of hard to figure out what the 49ers want because they had, you know, Trey Lance is so different from Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's so different than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but I just think if you had that conviction, what I don't want is that, hey, we're going to get the second best guy no matter what. We may get the best guy. Right. I don't think you can wait. You know, you want to, I think you want to be aggressive and try to get the number one overall pick if you believe it. No, I'm with you. And and just to, to be clear for the audience, Rick Spielman is only going through the searches. He is not involved with whatever decisions are going to be made past the search. So Rick Spielman's time with Washington will be done in the next week or so, most we assume. Um, so, um, yeah, I, 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 I think, look, I think all of your ideas are thought-provoking, and this is why we're doing this, because, you know, it is, you're not just, like, randomly going to the trade machine and coming up with some nonsense. This one, I think, is definitely, it, it's not even so much an outside-the-box idea, but it is a reminder of how to approach these things. Because, again, one of the points I made in my final Rivera story was there were just too many half measures. You can't just go, tra- even if you think Carson Wentz is going to be all that, you got to then protect him, and he went out. They went out and signed Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell, which really hampered a quarterback who you know turtles under pressure, right? And um, you, you know that you can't just. What's the plan? There was never. It just never felt there was really a plan. So if the plan is, hey, we want to get this quarterback above and beyond, like you know, even if it means having to pay up a little bit, the value of that, if it's if you're right, is exponentially worth it 
there's really not much of it. Even if you said it with those two second round picks or whatever the cost would be, but those two second round picks would mean a future left tackle and maybe an edge rusher. You got to have those spots. There's no argument, but quarterback is the best spot. So the most important one. So yeah, I, I, I think that's reasonable. The question of course will then be, you know, what do the bears do? It feels like the momentum as it stands today is, Caleb Williams would be their pick, and then they would probably look to trade Justin Fields, who I wouldn't really have much interest in if I'm Washington, just for the for the record, um, for a variety of reasons. But it is an interesting thought as to what level Washington A thinks of Caleb Williams and then B would aggressively uh seek him out. Um, I hate to uh cut and run here, but I have to jump on something else here in a second. Any final thought from you about your 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 ideas, where the commanders are, uh, or or anything else that you'd like to get off your chest? this would probably spur too big of a discussion, but I do wonder if we should anticipate this commander's team not being good next year. And by saying that, I mean, is Adam Peters going to look at the situation and say, Hey, I do have a lot of cap space. I do have the second overall pick, but I also have some tradable players that are on big contracts. And is the time now to trade Terry McLaurin or one of the two D tackles and get something for them and then like really bottom out. Cause that is what San Francisco bottomed out um, early in Shanahan. So just, I just want people to be aware this team may not compete next year. <laughs> well, and, and look, I, when I wrote my story early last season about what would the, what would the process to some degree look like in the NFL? Cause Josh Harris did that, you know, the Cleveland Browns kind of did that for a couple of years. And, you know, obviously they got knocked out in the first round, but they did it with four different quarterbacks, and that's a test. And not to mention a ton of other injuries, they lost Nick Chubb. I think it's a testament to their roster. And if you look at the players that they got from those two years, I think there are a lot of those guys are the cornerstone pieces of their roster. So I, I don't think it's insane, but it is the like Josh Harris told us at the Peters press conference. Oh no, no, it was at the um at his own press conference after firing Rivera. That look, he this year was pretty miserable from a win loss perspective. And he doesn't want that. He wants to turn it around as quickly as possible, but he's going to be patient. So I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an insane idea, but whether they will try to execute that is interesting. By the way, I will just say, I think if Jonathan Allen is, is on this team next year, I think it will give one indication. And if he's not, it may give another because that's the type of thing. If you think you're trying to win quickly, you keep him. If you think we're looking towards the future, you trade him. I'm still bitter that the Browns picked uh, or that the commanders let Jeremiah Uso Koromoa go in that draft and pick Jamin Davis. Cause that was, I think everyone, all commanders fans were mocking. Like we all wanted JOK at that point. Uh, and then Jamin Davis surprised. And, you know, I think they're a different player. They're two different players in the tier of the league. But yeah. yeah. So just, I, I think it's something commanders fans should be aware of. This team may decide to pull some plugs and really, really rebuild fully. It it would not stun me, but this is where, you know, it's exciting. I think as a reporter, I got to learn what these guys might do now because it's all new decision makers. And that's a different, you know, after a while I felt I had a handle on what this group was The Rivera group was going to do now. Very different. All right. If you want, if you got your own quote unquote, bad ideas, you can, you can throw them out on Twitter I'm at Ben Standig. As you know, Mike is at Mike Smeltz, S-M-E-L-T-Z. He's the executive producer for The Athletic uh, and the host of the Glue Guys podcast. What What is that? Is that uh, that's not The Athletic? Yeah, we, 
<laughs> you know what that is? That's a Brooklyn Nets show that uh, oh. we haven't done in two months because the Nets are too too sad to talk about. All right. Well, that's a whole. If you if you want to listen to that, I encourage you. But the, you know, it's, it takes <laughs> a certain type of person for that any, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, I appreciate it. as always. I, I appreciate the ideas. It shows somebody out there is thinking, and we'll just have to hope that uh, the new brain trust with the commanders is doing the same. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right. Many thanks to Mike Smelt for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. We will have more to come here uh, in the coming days. Possibly even have a new head coach by next week. We will see about that. But that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.